The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 223 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. We have our first week of NBA action. It's been fun, right? A little interesting. Some surprises along the way, I'd say. Yeah, it's always tough. There's been a, a small sample, but like there, there have definitely. I mean, naturally, the Lakers are dominating like the national media, and we're you know what it kind of feels like. Just we're going like to talk big about picture wise. Too, so. Yeah, let's talk about all the guys who kind of surprised us, good or bad. It's like the first day of school back in like eleventh grade after the summer, and you're like, who's different? You know, like Cindy got boobs. This, oh my God, look at that. Or like, wait, what happened to this person? You know, like, you know, everyone's looks a little different. Yeah. And but ultimately, personality. Who's making the biggest impression? Yeah. Personalities seem to be the same, though, right? So do you want to go with good or bad first in terms of surprises? Let's do the good first because media rarely does that. Right. And we'll, yeah. we'll, but we will trash on the Lakers at the end. But the good surprises, who's jumped out at you as the most positive surprise? I'll give you a few. Okay. Benedict, I'm just looking standings wise. Indiana's one and three. Benedict Matherin, I think, is living up to our hype as like a potential. You know, we're kidding. No, let's let's team. let's do teams and then we can discuss. I'm there just are saying. Players that. I'm that, just, yeah, Matherin looks really good, and Paolo Bencaro looks fantastic as well. Like those two dudes look really. Yeah, good. I'm trying to look at like which surprises I think are legitimate. And Portland is probably the one we should discuss to start, right? We talked yeah, about I just them. Don't, they're, they're I don't deep. know if they're legitimate, but, you know. I mean, they won, at Sacra- they won at Sacramento to open the season, which is a team we expected them to be about as good as and them. And Damian Lillard's averaging then, 33 a game right but now. But then they beat Phoenix, right? And, you know, Phoenix has beaten Dallas, and I believe they beat the Clippers, right? So, like, Phoenix has, you know, played a good schedule. They're 2-1. They win at the Lakers, which, you know, two-point game, Lakers are kind of a dumpster fire. Russell Westbrook takes a, a, you know, maybe not the best mid-range jumper at the end of the game. And then they blow out Denver at home, like beat Denver by 25. So I, I would say, like, they've played a pretty tough schedule, like three teams that we for sure figured were going to be in the play-in. Maybe the Lakers are worse than that. Playing or better, I would say. And then Sacramento, who should be pretty okay, honestly. Like, Sacramento should be you know, 35 plus win team, which is means you're not like mailing it in. So yeah. You know. And the positives for, for Portland are also like their starting lineup look good. We expected them to be good. They're getting a little something under justice wins though. Shaden Sharp, you mentioned privately looks, he's not playing a ton. He's not putting up a ton of numbers, but looks like better than you'd expect for a guy who didn't play college and maybe ha- was looking at like a red shirt here. Yeah, like a guy that's actually 19 years old, like he appears to be like a live body, which is really good, right? Like he doesn't do a whole lot, but I mean, the jumper looks real and it's interesting. Like Dame has been, I guess Dame's been really good, right? Like, uh, yeah, better. I mean, considering where he started last year, but so. Here's my question. So, like, but I don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. You don't. You don't buy it. So, no, no, I don't buy it as anything more than an eighth or ninth seed. Oh, so you do? You you do? Would you go on BovadaSportsbook.com and bet on Uh, to make the playoffs? Well, that's a great question because they have it on um, play-in tournament. Portland's still a favorite to make the play-in, which is not a huge compliment, but you know, in that range, minus one fifty. So top ten. So they're a favorite to finish in the seven to ten range. Yeah, but no higher, I guess they're saying. I mean, I've watched, I won't say that I've watched 100 games in the last week, but like I watched a lot. And like, I don't, I, I personally don't think Portland is better than like a healthy Pelicans team. Like, I know we talked about this. Right. And I don't think they're better than Memphis. And I, I definitely don't think they're better than the Timberwolves. And like, I know that some of these teams have lost. Maybe they might be better than the Lakers, honestly. Like, that's no, possible. they might be. But you, you mentioned the teams. Memphis, shout out. I, the one positive I think is like, was Ja going to have a regression? Looks like he's really still ascending. Um, it's averaging like 35 a game. I think yeah, leading the league in scoring through four games or three games, I think for them. So that's four one games. team. Phoenix and Golden State, you think will still be there. 
We could talk about the Clippers. I, I think the Clippers are underwhelming for a few reasons right now, but that'll be four teams almost locked in. Denver and Dallas, I think for sure. That's six. And then I didn't even include Minnesota in that group. So, and, and I, I mean, I think Minnesota, they lost to Utah, and Utah has been a, a pretty good early season surprise, which I think some of that has to do with the fact that I, I do think people just kind of thought Utah was going to come out and mail it in, and they have players who play hard and they want to win, and that's how you kind of coach. But I mean, Minnesota is definitely. I would I would be stunned if they were in the playing round. I, I think they're definitely good enough to avoid the playing round. But you know, it's and these wins. You know, people say regular season, regular season doesn't matter. That's what's so great about the playing. It's like these games are going to matter they when do. you're a team like Portland, who's going to have to really fight for positioning. You're start four and zero compared I mean, that, to a team like Sacramento, who in the wins draft. We were debating which one of the two to take. Yeah, and you took you took Portland right above Sacramento, like which, reluctantly, but and Sacramento's zero like, and three, and that's going to matter. So they play them, you know, four times, and they go into Sacramento the first night of the season, and like that's a game that Sacramento needs to win right away. Yeah. You know, like you don't want to be losing your home games against teams that you think you're going to have to stack up against to get out of that, you know, twelfth, eleventh seed, right? Because we we had talked about it, like we do think eventually Utah will sell off, right? So mm-hmm. I would put Utah like below. But then San Antonio, we would expect to regress. And then you have the other bottom teams. And so, like, if you're Sacramento and you're Portland, like, game one, like, matters right away. Which Or Portland and the Lakers. Yeah, yeah which so didn't like necessarily Portland, matter before. The teams that were in that, like, 8, 9, 10 range, Portland, the Lakers, Sacramento, starting 4-0 and versus 0-3 for both the others, like, it's a major deal. But I do think the the kings of the of those bottom three, you know, of the, the 0-3 teams... I'm yeah. a little more optimistic on them because Keegan Murray was working his way in. He looks yeah, good. Yeah, he didn't play the first two games of the year, and he has also looked very good. And they almost – they had a close loss the other day against Golden State, I think. Um, they gave up 90 points in the first half. I yeah, agree. but they came it, back. It, it, it appeared closer than that, but it was they were they gave up 89 points in the first half. Come on now. But I still think they're going to be closer to 500 than 20 wins, you know, which doesn't say much. But a 30-plus win team, 35-win team. Well, like I said, we would assume – okay, so so I, I guess, like, you, you're you saying, like, I don't think it's a surprise that they're 0-3, though. I did think they were going to beat Portland, but I expect them, I think, to be 1-2. and two. Yeah, but now wouldn't we say preseason I would have said – Portland wins 38 games, Sacramento wins 35. Like, what would you say now? I, don't know. I mean, I, I think that still seems pretty realistic. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I might go Portland I, 40, you know, the, the Sacramento biggest, The most interesting thing, 34. so I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that like the Spurs are not a surprise, right? That they've, they've beaten, you know, they, they came into Philly and won, which was, you know, maybe Philly has been a little bit of a, a bad surprise, but they smashed Minnesota. They won at Philly, won at Minnesota, lost to Charlotte to open the year, but then, you know, beat Indiana. And Indiana's like not great, but that's a team that you would expect them to be about as good as. So, but here's the thing. Like I I would expect San Antonio to fall back. Utah's the one that I'm I'm not sure about, honestly. Like that's a great about, question. Like, yeah. So we talk about Portland winning like 38 games. Well, great. But it, like, what if Utah is actually like not bad and nobody really wants to part with I would say like first rounders for, you know, Mike Conley or, you know, Jared Vanderbilt or Malik Beasley. And like now all of a sudden you kind of have this team that's a little bit like the Clippers, like the Doc Rivers, like Tobias Harris, Montrez yeah, Harrell. That year they hung Clippers on for like the eighth seed. For the eighth seed. And like maybe we just were not, you know, I, we were. That, that's a great poll. I was also thinking of the year that Oklahoma City was supposed to blow it up. With Chris Paul, who everyone yeah. thought was washed at the time, and then they end up like, hanging in the playoffs. But, but like, the you, Clippers are a better example because that was like a combination of pretty good guys, right? And and vets too, right? And so like this Utah team, if I was, <laughs> we always bring up the Lakers, but like if I was a team that like 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 the Sixers bench through four games looks like it's not quite ready, right? It, it looks like the you know the Daniel House like Deon DeAnthony Melton Trez like experiment is is not amazing right I, I think it'll be better George's Niang whatever but like this is a team that has bench guys for other teams right like we know mm-hmm. Kelly Olynyk is a good energy big we know and Judah he's Vander- been available you right. know and he makes a good amount of money so like that's the one thing like one you need the assets two you you need to decide like do you want to pay the tax whatever but like the Lakers when they were sitting on THT's ten million dollar contract. Kelly Olynyk would have been an interesting fit. Instead right now, of, he's shooting. Yeah, instead of 70, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Olynyk right now is shooting seventy nine percent from three. That won't last. But he's a good shooter. He's actually not. 
as like bad of a defender as people think. I think he's a good player. Like this is yeah, the thing. Like too. certainly the Jazz have. I, I guess they want Colin Sexton to to be their best player currently. Maybe maybe Lori Marketing, but like they're playing their vets right. So you know Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Marketing are all playing over thirty minutes a game. But then Vanderbilt, Olynyk, Malik Beasley, they're playing twenty five minutes a game, right? So they're playing these guys, and and we don't know right off the top of our heads. Are they playing these guys because they want to showcase them? Are they playing these guys because they're like, hey, man, we're just going to try to win games. Like, that's the one yeah, thing you're, I, you're I never it's also, sure of. Well, it's also hard. Just like there's a human factor. You you show up and Mike Conley and, you know, Kelly Olenek even clearly are the best players on the team compared to like the rookies, you know? So yeah. like, how do you with a straight face tell them like, you can't play. We're going to tank the well, whole Like That's season. the thing, right? They should be playing Ochai Agbaji or like. Nikel Alexander Walker, your boy, and he's played like three minutes, right? And so that's where it makes me a little bit worried that maybe, you know, for the longest time, I think on Bovada, it was uh, their over under was like 34. And we said, like, you know, this kind of makes sense because we don't know how long it will take them to sell off all their spare parts. And they would love to do it if they do it because it's going to be hard to go piecemeal. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they just don't do it, right? Because there isn't a needle mover. Right. Well, the problem is like all their assets, Kelly Olenek, even Mike Conley at this age and salary, not going to get you much. Like they're going to get you like a late first, maybe. Malik Malik Beasley as like a a $15 million, like three and D guy who's 26 years old. Like he should be worth solidly a first round pick. Yeah. But these are all late picks that won't matter. And then what are you going to do with 20 first round picks that are late picks when you don't have the roster spot? Maybe you, maybe you can package 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 for Victor. Uh, Juan Bignana. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think their goal would be look at all our good, solid pieces. Lakers, you need a bunch of depth. We'll package everyone together and try to get as many picks, high premium picks as possible. In in the later years. And that's the thing. Like, But they're not actually that young, right? So, like, Colin Sexton's 24, so he's probably in the mix. Jared Vanderbilt, I would probably want to keep. He's 23. He's a very good NBA player, in my opinion. And then beyond that, it's like THT. But don't you think 22. the Lakers, we could build them into this? 0 and 3 now, their shooting numbers, where everyone talks about how bad they are. Don't you think they would consider even like Mike Conley and Kelly Olinick for a first round pick at this point? Like a solid first round pick. Right. Well, anything that they consider has to be shipping Russ out. Right. right. That's, With that's the like, Russ salary. So I don't have. Russ I, makes $47 million, <laughs> Right. Uh, which is about. 37 million more than you'd it's want. A lot, it's a um, lot of money. So they got to get within like 85% of that, right? Yeah, so. but Conley makes like 25, then Kelly Lynn makes 10. You throw yeah, in. You're close You could definitely do. And the problem with the Lakers have to think about now, and I think they are coming in like looking in the mirror. Are we even close if we do that? Like, you know, how far away are we? I don't know. Are we, are we really... Because they're not a Mike Conley, but really healed away the, from, from I, being a contender. I don't even know if we should really be talking about the Lakers on this podcast, like because it's not really a well, surprise so that they're not very good. <laughs> it's so fun to talk about. See, di- like dissect their facial expressions, <laughs> like every time Russ shoots. It's, I mean, it's wild. Like, but that's that's the, that's the thing. Like, I just think that Utah is probably right now, in my opinion, the most interesting team in the Western Conference. That's because really interesting. Yeah, I, I can see that. They, they can swing so many different like races, right? They can swing the playing race. They can swing the, the title race, right? Because they got some guys that you know. Naturally, you add somebody midseason. Like, we really haven't seen something crazy since like Rasheed Wallace, like really put Detroit over the top, right? But they don't have anybody I don't think that good, but like Mike Conley is like a really good NBA point guard and still has some left in the tank. Like when you he's celebrating to- Utah and San Antonio the most are like the teams like Oklahoma City, where it's like, oh great, I thought you were tanking. Yeah. And you're gonna be decent. Um, I think there's there's only a few teams now that are really clearly so bad that they're gonna be in the top three or right. four and eventually and- we would expect san antonio who is also three and one and like i said has had a couple of very good wins to start the year they are a little bit different than utah because like they already have their young guys right like jeremy sohan had yeah. a very good game on monday night uh josh primo had a good game on monday night you know keldon johnson's 23 trey jones is 23 <sighs> devin vassal's 22 like they they're they they think they have a lot of their core Right. So they still will probably try to unload Doug McDermott. I would imagine they'll try to unload Jakob Poitel, who's 
you know, very good. And still only 27. It seems like he's been around forever. But um, I, I think that they're in a little bit of a different situation because, yeah. like, they don't really have – they don't have the same, like, kind of tank ability as, like, Utah does, right, where they can trade up all these pieces – and then they can sign Kelgen Blevins to come in and play for because they need players, well, right? San Antonio can't really do that. They already well, they have, have a bunch of yeah, guys. they have a bunch of young pieces that are all like good supporting pieces too. And so I wonder if there's a part of them where it's like the natural thing everyone thinks like tank, tank, get Victor. But they have a bunch of cap space. They're you know a prestige franchise. If you know like Kevin Durant was on the market. I mean, don't you think they would be a playoff team if I mean, you had how, a superstar like that? The reason that, like, San Antonio, the new tanking rules, first of all, to answer your question, sure, Kevin Durant would be very fun. Yeah. I think they would make the playoffs. I'll, I'll answer that first. I, I'm not sure. going to happen. But um, one of the reasons the new tanking rules are, are good for a team like San Antonio is, like, you don't really have to finish first right. or, or last, right? Yeah. Like, you can finish like with the fifth worst record. So like you can play your young guys, give them a lot of minutes, try to win games, like let them gain experience. And then, you know, maybe you have a two or 3% less chance than you would have had if you finished with the worst record and you trotted out, you know, G league guys all year. And so like San Antonio is a really interesting team to watch because well, and they then, do, like you said, they have supporting guys. I think they need to improve. I, I think they, they will need to improve the point guard spot. Like I don't think Trey Jones is a starting point guard in my opinion, but if they, let's say they were to get the number one pick or the number two pick, like Scooter Henderson is a quite a consolation prize on a team like the Spurs. But if they were to get the number one pick and like you throw like Victor Wemby on this squad in like two or three years, like you're right. They have a lot of the pieces around him that can be very good if he's truly, truly, truly. I mean, he's definitely a generational prospect. Don't get me wrong. But if he's truly going to reach that potential, like this is a team that makes a lot of sense if they get him. That could be good really quickly, honestly. Right. And you talk about the numbers of those revised tanking lottery rules. So just to throw the numbers out, if you're the worst team in the league, you have a 52% chance of getting a top four pick. And only only have, four, don't you have a 14% chance of getting yeah. a number one pick? Yeah. 14% chance number one. And if you're number seven worst team, it's about seven and a half percent. So right. so, sizably more, but not, you know. Yeah, you have a 100% better chance if you're the worst team, but it's not, you know. It's not like you have a 50% chance to a 25% chance. Like it's a, it's not a huge difference. And the other really like adjustment that I really like they made, I think they should keep doing it actually extended even more. They used to draw for the first three spots. Now they draw for the first four. And what is, what's the difference? Like that means if you're the worst team, you're not even guaranteed to get a top four pick, literally only 52% chance. So, you know, in the past, like it's still worth tanking because that way you guaranteed to get the fifth pick instead of the sixth pick or whatever. Those picks, honestly, like are really not huge. No, you want, you want the number one pick. And honestly, like I said, this year's draft, the top two seem, I I mean, pretty sad. I I can't imagine like, even if like Victor tours ACL, like I bet you he'd still go number one, honestly. Like he, he just, I'm not going to wood. I don't want that to happen. But so like for a team like San Antonio, it, it's perfect because you don't, you can play the guys that you have and you don't need to, you know, I used to say this about the Sixers when we first started the show, like flipping the switch when you've like encouraged guys to lose is really hard to do. So when you have yeah. your core and you have continuity and then you're ready to flip the switch, it becomes much easier. So like for the Sixers, when they finally won 20 or 50 games, you know, they'd had MB, like they had TJ McConnell, they had Ben Simmons, like they, they had done all this and they had finally a core of guys who was like ready to win. I think they actually won a year earlier than I thought they would, but for the Spurs, like it's it's perfect. Whereas like Oklahoma City, like what who's really gonna be on their team when they're good? You know, right. Houston's another team that actually just benefits, right? Because they can move Eric Gordon for picks, but like, you know, you got your Jalen Green, they just extended Kevin Porter, like you have Alperin Sangin, like you, you you know, you have Jabari Smith, like you can play those guys and not feel terrible. That like, man, these guys got no real game experience, right? Like they never played in any games that matter. And I think like that is a very good thing about the new tanking rules, to me at least. No, absolutely. And I think there's a danger for teams that hoard draft picks because that was like the old solution. You know, more picks, more picks. It's like not the NFL. There's a limited amount of roster spots here. And then it becomes a matter of like blind leading the blind when you you have, you know, 10 of your 15 players are like first or second year guys. Who yeah. And you like, aren't, do. don't, you know, it feels like you're a, like an AAU team or something like it's this. I don't you know, I don't know how do well it. you develop. You almost have to do it like how the Colts did it back with Peyton Manning, where they like 
first they got Marvin Harrison, right? Then they got Peyton Manning. Then they got Edron James, and then they filled out the rest of the roster. It's like, all right, you have your cornerstones. Yeah. I yeah, it, back when it's very similar. Back that's a great great argument. Like great parallel. Like the, the way the Spurs are doing it, where it's like we're building the core, the yep. infrastructure, and then like adding the the piece that can make it all come and, together. And it's, it's interesting too, right? Because yes, Oklahoma or not Oklahoma State. Yes, Golden State like did build through the draft, right? But they never had any. I mean, Harrison Barnes was what, like the seventh pick, I think. Yeah. Like I, in terms of their like title teams originally, like they they didn't have anybody that was like a top three pick. I, I don't recall at least. You know, James Wiseman gets a ring, but but really, like you don't have a ton of teams that have like totally built through the draft and broken through and won yet, right? Because like Oklahoma City is the best example, right? They, they get Russ, they get KD, Serge Ibaka, James Harden. Now Boston is actually kind of in that mix now too, right? Like. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are both top three picks. Like, I guess Philly kind of counts, right? Yeah. And Joel but those top are, three picks. But that's what's so great about the the new rules where it's like the top four are lottery drawn because, you know, Boston and Philly, like, those were all top three picks. Right, right. right. Like, you, and you can't guarantee that anymore. No. You're not going to be but, in the top three every time. But my point is, like, it's, it's interesting to try to go about it this way because you do, like, you have to hit on that superstar, right? So if you're San Antonio, I think we both agree that while they have some very intriguing young pieces, there's nobody that we think, and again, somebody could be Kawhi Leonard or, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? You could be the 15th pick or, or you know, you could be Jokic for all we know, right? But in, to, to our eyes, you, Xander Gellison, we don't see that 1A type guy, right, on their team, not yet. And so, like, for them to be able to build this core and then hopefully you do get that 1A talent, to inject then all of a sudden you're right there and so it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting and it feels like well it's like i don't I, think I said get... core they're building their core people might think is the central piece it's more i meant more like core muscles like yeah. your offensive line and yeah. then add the quarterback who now they don't have like the motor yet because they have a good offensive line yeah and, and i think it's interesting because the spurs to me they might only get one shot at this, right? Because they might mm-hmm. be too good next year, honestly. Like their their players might all take, you know, the, the guys they have might take leaps. Like, you know, Primo and Jeremy Sohan are so young right now. Like one of those guys could turn out to be really good. And so maybe you're like a 40-win team next year. So this year is kind of like the perfect storm to be able to do it. And I wonder if they're willing to see it through. Because I wonder if like, Zan, by the trade deadline, let's say they're sitting in like the nine spot, then will they just try to like, sell everything off and hopefully they they lose a bunch of games to kind of get back into that like top five mix. But yeah but I don't know. I, you know i'm glad that they're competing contending i think you know most teams are right now i think there's probably only like two really oklahoma city might be the only team who's like who's going in tonight like thinking they're gonna lose probably because yeah, even orlando while they're bad they're trying like, orlando's trying for sure and they may yeah. it, it looks like they might have a 1a type guy honestly like bankero yeah. Looks really, really good um, thus far, and so yeah. Um, do you want? And the one last thing about the West, I would say, is a negative. I think we have to talk about. They're playing tonight. We'll see what happens if he plays. But Kawhi Leonard, like, I think it's amazing. Actually, credit to him that he's willing to come off the bench and play limited minutes because I think a lot of stars would rather miss whole games so it won't hurt their stats. You know, their averages. So for him to be like, I'll play fifteen minutes. That's that's rare. So but it's also concerning to so me. So let's talk about let's talk about the Clippers, right? They're two and one. Uh, they beat the Lakers uh, last Thursday. I think it was like a, I think it, the final score was like six, but it wasn't all that close, right? Clippers were much better. They uh, beat Sacramento by two on the road, and then they lost to Phoenix uh, on Sunday, where Kawhi Leonard and John Wall sat out. And uh, Paul George had a huge game against Sacramento, like forty ball. But it, it seems pretty clear that that to start this season. Paul George is their number one option, right? Exactly yeah. what you're saying. Kawhi Leonard's playing 20 minutes a game, I think. He's played two games. And, and he'll play, you know, 70% of the games if that. So they sat him out the yeah. first leg of the back-to-back, right? And then, or sat him out the second leg of the back-to-back, excuse me. And they, they're going to do the same with John Wall. And, you know, Wall looks explosive. Looks like he can make a mid-range jumper. It looks like he's probably going to be a pretty good signing for them. But I do think we need to... You know, we need to know, like, can Kawhi Leonard play 38 right. minutes when it matters? I don't know. <laughs> that, I mean, hopefully a, he can, and that's the point of this, right? Like, Right, but that's what's scary where it's like everyone thought of them as a title contender, and we all did, because, like, they're a good team. Like, they're so seed. deep. Even even if he's playing 25 minutes a game, they're, they're, they're 
real deep. Whether or not they're elite, if Kawhi's not elite, I, I can well, get like on board with that argument. Well, you think like last year. Like, this is why they're a title contender. Because you have a pretty good team, six-seed type team, and then you add Kawhi Leonard, top five guy, there's a title team. I, it's weird to me, like, when they did player ranks and everything. Like, everyone grandfathers Kawhi Leonard into that top five when he hasn't played. And like, what if he comes back and he can't crank it up? How do you, how many guys have cranked it up from 15, 20 minutes a night to like you're saying, playing 40 yeah. in the playoffs? I don't like remember he, a lot of that load. And he played game. really bad. Sorry, I misspoke. He, they sat out against Sacramento. Paul George had the big game. And then Wall and Kawhi played against Phoenix and lost. Wall played well. Kawhi played quite poorly, I thought. Like it, it you could but tell. But don't you think like this is a title contender if Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard? If he's, let's even say Chris Middleton now. They're still a title contender. You Middleton. think so? Chris I don't Middleton's a really so. good player. Chris Middleton's good, but um, I don't think if he's Mikel Bridges, are they a title contender? No, I mean he's. I don't know. Honestly, uh, like I don't think so. It's hard so. to. So okay, all right. So we know that to start the year, uh, the Clippers were tied on Bovada to win the West, right? We we they had yes. the, the highest over under. Do you think after now seeing three games and kind of seeing how they're going to manage their stars or how they're going to manage Kawhi, how they're going to manage Wall, what they're going to do with Paul George, who I believe is out uh, tonight anyway with a non-COVID illness, but do you think you should adjust that? Do you think they're quite a bit worse than the rest of the teams that we think in the top of the West? Like, no. cause I've been I, that, very that's like sort of your big picture. If, Cause we've talked a lot about the West. If I had to call like one mulligan, change your opinion. I think we nailed Utah as like, or at least we talked about Utah as like being friskier than we even thought. And we thought they would be kind of frisky anyway. Portland. I still think the Clippers have that upside. I at least have to see it, you know, like you can't write him off now, but if he, if he's still playing this limited minutes in like a few weeks, he sat out the whole year. Wasn't there talk like he could play in the playoffs last year? That, that I was he still hurt, not but like, maybe he could come back. I, you know, and again, what it was his injury again? I don't even remember. Well, he had like the knee injury, right? Like he tore his ACL. This is doctors, like Jonathan Isaac's doctor. <laughs> Jonathan Isaac hasn't played in like four years. It's pretty unbelievable. He tore his knee in the bubble, right? And he hasn't played since then. And again, there's nothing. This good. is weird. This, this is, is weird to me. The NFL players like yeah. tearing their Achilles and are back like six months later. And no, no, nobody's back after tearing their Achilles in six months. But James he, Robinson was. He he's got traded actually. The Jets. He did get traded to the Jets. So, but he hasn't played career. well. He, he's been hurt still. But but what's his face? Uh, I mean, Adrian Peterson like tore his ACL and was back in like eight months or nine yeah, months and, ran and for then put together yards. like a ridiculous <laughs> year. Yeah, that that did happen. It, I don't. You know. For basketball, obviously, it's a much more fluid game, right? There's there's more cutting, there's more jumping. Like it's it's different, I think. But with Kawhi, you know, if he has a Brandon Roy type situation, and again, I'm knock on wood for the second time today, we don't want that to happen. But like, maybe there's no cartilage left in his knee, and so it's really hard for him to play. I think I've told you this before that I knew the guy, the guy that was the current head trainer on the Cavs was a trainer for a team I worked for, and prior to that, and he had come back and he said that like. By the end of his career, like Baron Davis needed like four hours of work before Jeez. games to be ready to play, like because it just his knees were so shot. He needed like, you know, well, he and I to think get on the bike. He needed to get on the court for pregame. He needed a massage. He needed like a cold tub. He needed like the whirlpool. Then he needed to get back on the court. And then like he couldn't sit down, right? Because then he his knee would tighten up. And you, if you're not at the peak of your abilities, like you know how it is, you're going to get embarrassed. But don't you think there's an argument? This sounds ridiculous to say that NBA players are underpaid based on this. The Clippers have no problem paying Kawhi Leonard $40 million a year and playing him half the time. They had no problem him sitting out the entire year last year. You know, Same with, with Brooklyn when they signed Kevin Durant. He was going to be out for a full season. They had no problem paying him the max because they thought he was so valuable. And the Warriors have no problem, at least externally, having a luxury tax of whatever, paying their payroll yeah, pay $400 million. Yeah, they're going to pay $250 million. Isn't that an argument that all these guys might be underpaid if these owners are actually willing to pay that much for guys part-time? You and, already think that the top guys are underpaid. I don't disagree. I don't know if Paul George is, but like peak LeBron, I think, was underpaid peak, by like... Peak Giannis, like currently, like you could pay Giannis... $250 million and he'd probably be underpaid. Like the guy is... Well, do you think... You don't think that much. No, do, how much yeah, do you think know. he actually should be worth? Oh, I don't. I think um, it would be a like hundred million a year. Yeah, I think he'd be worth seventy, and then some team would pay him a hundred. Yeah, seventy. I mean, 
what's he making now? 45, 40. Like yeah. he's, he's definitely worth close to double what he makes now. Given I, like- I once did like a post on this, like how much has LeBron been underpaid in his career based on estimated wins added and salary caps. And it was about like $400 million. I mean, I believe that. And again, you make yeah. a lot of that back in your, uh, and he's a rare case of course, but um, cause there's guys like, you know, like Rudy Gay types that get the max that are probably not worth it. Yeah, you know, I have a friend, this is a different sport, but I have a friend who was a big Clemson fan and he like loved Sandy Watkins. And, you know, I'm sure at the time when you were analyzing the NFL draft, you were a big fan of Sandy Watkins sure, too. Yeah. Like his career high and like catches is like 50, right? I was looking at his numbers the other day and I was like, man, it's really, I, you know, I knew he had like kind of underperformed, right? But I recalled him having one like big half a season because we had him in fantasy. And then I looked and I was like, man, this guy's gotten paid like $90 million, which you don't see a lot in football, but in basketball, you do see that a lot. Yeah. Like guys get one huge deal. And then you look at their earnings and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, like I, I like Steven Jackson made like well over a hundred million dollars and he was like a good NBA player, but you know, not like great. Right. Like it's, well, you know, John, John Wall's going to retire with what, like 350 million in earnings, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and, and it's those guys that like also the guys who just became somewhat starter level rotational players pretty early and just get grandfathered in. Like I'm thinking of like Terrence Ross or like yeah, Josh got, Richardson, who's probably not even worth it, gets like ten plus million a year. All right, like here's a good one. Ten years in Here, a row. Here's a good one, and and uh, you know Bovada doesn't do these, but I'll set this line. So if I told you Reggie Jackson over under one hundred and one million dollars in career earnings, what would you say? Well, he signed that one big contract. I would say, but he hasn't been paid lately. Um, I would guess over, but not much. No, Ninety-seven point eight million, yeah. but he gets paid eleven million dollars next year, so he'll be over next year. Okay, like that's go. what I'm saying. Damn. Like guys, there are so many guys out there like that, and so that's where it's it's you know you. I think the NBA needs a salary cap um, because I, I, yeah. I think the soft cap rules make a lot of sense for how this works. Like. You yeah. only have 30 teams. You want to keep stars in the right places. So you, you, you give their teams the ability to to go over the cap, right? Uh, and that's why I think owners are scared of Steve Ballmer types, or I yeah. think they would do not want like Jeff Bezos buying a team. Cause it's like, if they just break the system and like, we're going to pay $500 million a year. Sorry. I mean, then it becomes like wonky. That's why in, in baseball, like I, I always, when I was younger, you know, I always rooted against the Yankees. And now I, I literally root, like if you, if you spend money, like I want you to succeed because like the bottom of the MLB just won't spend money, right? Like they just going to pocket a check every, every day. And like, you know, they hate Steve Cohen because he's going to come in here and spend $300 million on his roster every year. And that's what we want to have happen. Like these dudes are billionaires, like try to put the best product on the court that you can. And that's why, like, I agree with you a little bit like Kawhi. I don't think he's probably underpaid now, but no, he probably was underpaid, especially considering like he did have some like pretty serious injury concerns and yeah, like, I don't know if he was because he never played a full season. That's true. Think, he ever. was like the original load management guy. But yeah. somebody like Kevin Garnett or like Tim Duncan yeah. that played every single night, like four Yoke, minutes a night. You know, Jokic, Luka. Like if Luka was a free agent right now, I think you like could. How much would Steve Ballmer pay him? I think you could credibly say that like Luka should get paid like about as much as like, you know, we've been talking about like 500 million for Juan Soto. Like I think if you could. If you could sign Luca to a ten-year, fifty million dollar deal, you do it in a second. I think even in the more. NBA, I, th- I think I think Steve Ballmer would sign him t- to ten years, like a hundred million dollars a year. That's like, right. I, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. in the NBA, as we know, guys can like play into their you know early to mid thirties, and, and then if you're LeBron, like you know, you could assign the Cavs could assign LeBron to like a twenty-year, three and a half billion dollar. Yeah, deal. LeBron would have been, been the greatest. You know what I mean? Like, at the but time. that's. But I don't think, you know, the cap's going to go up again when the TV deal happens. And I think so a lot of these contracts getting signed now, you know, your R.J. Barrett deals or like your Nasir Little who made a lot less. But like or Kevin Porter, for example, got paid 80 million. Like that's probably surprising to a lot of people. Those deals just aren't going to look that bad once the cap jumps again. It's the same deal as before because it's like, all right, well, they're, you know, 20 million dollars. Like that's probably going to be the mid-level exception like coming up in a couple of years, honestly. And so when you see that, that's where it's like, all right, it is more important than ever to be able to find your own superstar because you can fill in the gaps with the rest of the league, right? Like you can fill in that. I don't know, like you find your own top 5% guy and then the rest of the team you can fill in. Cause everybody will have the money to do it. Right. Like that's, and that's what makes it hard to like build a fair, evenly balanced team just in terms of the salaries and also in terms of the skill set. Well, like everyone has to like, match perfectly. But we could also say, you know, sure. If you get the number one pick in LeBron's draft, that's unfair, right? You, you've got an unfair advantage. 
But like, look at the guys around the league that are really good. Like, right, Steph Curry was what the seventh pick. Jokic was a second round pick. Giannis and Kawhi were the fifteenth pick. So like, it's I don't think there's like an unfair advantage in terms of team building because people have been able to find superstars. Like Jason Tatum was the third pick in the draft. Like someone actually traded to get past Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Like, and I I thought they should draft Josh Jackson. So yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's more of an even playing field. I think. No, I think it's a great. That was my big premise in the lottery reform. I think the the plan has been a great addition. The lottery reform is really smart. I think the league is like actually structurally about run as well in terms of their their team structure, their playoff structure yeah. as you can it's, get. It's really funny too. Like uh, people are still, you know, like complaining about lottery and like, oh, there's going to be so much tanking. And it's like, why don't we like get to through like 50 games first until we see? Because like we we talked about it and we made jokes about it a lot last year that like the tanking at the end of the season, you know, got out of control. Like teams were benching yeah. like. Well, and what part of that, though, is like the two things I think the NBA could still work on. The season feels too long. So wouldn't the tanking feel less egregious? Okay, go ahead. I'll refute the long season thing because I agree with you, but there's some issues with it, obviously. And then I also think same with all these sports and we see it in baseball. Play this long regular season for home court advantage. I think home court advantage in almost every sport does not feel significant enough. NBA, it's the most, I think. Yeah, maybe but maybe, maybe football in like a one game setting, but like in, in know, baseball NBA, doesn't seem to matter, right? No, it doesn't matter at all. Baseball yeah. is a total so it's like it's, it's like the Dodgers just lost, and it's like they were apparently like the best team, right? The Dodgers like, statistically, 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 like the Dodgers had like the greatest five year run of any baseball team ever, and uh, they won one World Series, and it was in the COVID shortened year. But they, here's my here's my simple tweak. Tell me if I'm wrong. Because the home team only gets like if you're the one seed versus the eighth seed, you so you won probably more twenty game. more games. Yeah, right, you, you get, get one, one home game, game, whatever that means. But what about this? Very simple adjustment. The home team in a playoff game gets the ball to start every quarter, and you say that's only a two possession two difference, but that more. might be significant. It might be you know a couple points. That's probably points per possession. That's a four point edge, or yeah, a little four, less than that. Probably yeah, probably. Like- sorry. 2.25 3. or something. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, maybe three. Yeah, it depends. Um, yeah, these days, probably three and um, maybe two-point edge, whatever it is. Like, that's at least something to, like, reward you for. And and I don't think it would disrupt the game flow in any way, really. Well, that's the thing. So, first of all, just real quick, I, I did not expect you to say that. I just want you to say, like, this is a creative. I don't know if we talked about yeah. this before. I don't remember. Because some people it. say, like, they should start one up on the series. Like, I don't think that that would feel artificial in some way. No. And you want to, you know, obviously, the, the, there's a couple... In baseball, I think there's a couple ways to do this. Obviously, you, you limit off days, so your depth matters more. Uh, whereas, like, if you just have a five-game series and there's an off day on each travel day, then, like, it's just kind of, you know, you only need a couple good starters. But in the NBA, I think you want to play a longer series, right? Because we, we tend to see, like, the cream really rise to the top in the NBA over a long-term period of time. So all the seven-game series, I think, is a good idea. But they're not going to shorten the regular season because guys aren't going to give up home games. That's revenue. Like, they mm-hmm. still do okay. The best teams still do very well revenue-wise in terms of tickets. And like, and and so I think it's an interesting tweak. I just think it's, it's not more super similar. practical, you know, like well, it's just my, the, what the shortening you mean? Yeah. It's, no, no, not shortening. Like just starting with the ball. Like I mean, who cares? Do you even notice who starts with the ball? No, never. Who pays attention to the jump ball? Half the time I yeah. turn the game on, it's like three possessions in anyway. So I have no well, idea. I always just thought it was weird to jump ball because then they switch off possessions anyway. So it seems completely irrelevant. It is irrelevant, especially because you might, you might honestly, I'm sure somebody's done it. Somebody's done a study on this, but you might actually have less points per possession off the jump ball than you do on like a, a side out of bounds, right? Yeah, so you I actually might, might win the jump ball and it might cost you like fractional EV. That's certainly possible. I don't, I don't know that to be the case. And I'm sure somebody's done the research on it, but it's just like, yeah. but wait, so we, let's get back on topic. Is there anyone in the East that has jumped out at you? Yeah. I mean, the East, I think, has mostly, uh, Unfortunately, the East has mostly, mostly like bad surprises to me. Like Philly being one and three, I think is is really surprising. Uh, totally understand that Embiid is working through plantar fasciitis, but you know Harden's been as good as we could possibly expect to start the season, in my opinion. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you I'm love, like I'm not discouraged by their one and three start. No, but you don't expect them to lose at home to the Spurs. It scares me a little bit because we talked about them as a one seed and a 50 win team. Now it, 
it gets harder. It does to, if you start it bad, you know. It certainly but, seems. It certainly seems like Boston is uh, definitively better than the Sixers currently. And the, the team I'm a little more worried about is Miami. Actually, they're one and three. Yeah, they got all I, kinds of issues. Yeah, because it's just sort of like they. By the way, that was going to be the other team I I, I okay. pointed out. Just so you know, so we're on the same yeah. page there. Because the thing that scares me is just like you know. Structurally, Tyler Hero wins rookie. I mean, six man last year. Now he's starting. It doesn't seem like they're really meshing as well. You know, they're starting Caleb Martin, who's okay, but it's like I, I feel like they haven't figured out their team yet, which is a little scary. Yeah, and you know, like we feel good about their starting lineup, but you don't know how you should feel about Kyle Lowry. Like Jimmy Butler is that guy's going to play until he's you know eighty five. He's like basically going to be LeBron, and we don't talk about it quite as much, but. You have any idea how old Jimmy Butler is right now? By the way, thirty-three. Yeah, thirty-three. I was surprised. I thought he was uh, younger than but that. What, but but you know what's scary about the Heat too? It's like but, with Philly, they're both one and three. You'd think of the same boat, but there was a concern, question marks, optimism. Is Harden going to snap back? And it seems looked, like he, he mostly has. He looks great, right? Like he hasn't maybe but, distributed then, quite Ky- as much. But Kyle Lowry, there's some questions. Is he going to get in better shape and snap back to some degree? He right now, averaging good. 10 points a game, shooting 28%. I mean, he's shooting 28% from the field, not 28% from three, like 28% from the field. That's a problem. And, he's, and he has a big contract for this year and next year. It's like, I don't see that getting better. Yeah, and maybe, you know, Kyle is not a guy that I would personally bet against. Like, I, I think as long as he says he can play, I would expect him to be able to play. But being able to play at a fringe all-star level versus like a fringe starter level, that that I mean, I don't think there's any chance he's an all-star anymore. Like, is he a starter? I don't know. I don't know. Should they bring him off the bench instead of Tyler? But the but the other thing is too, right? In this situation, so this is a team that you know we hear a lot about the Heat culture, right? But they lost uh, PJ Tucker. We we heard they're in talks with Jay Crowder, which I think would have probably helped them just from a physicality standpoint, but they are going to run their starting lineup into the ground. Like Jimmy Butler's not going to play, you know, 80 games. He's going to play 65. But like when he plays, he's playing 36 minutes a game. Kyle Lowry's playing 35 minutes a game. Keel Martin's playing 33 minutes a game. Bam's going to play, you know, all these guys are going to be like in the mix for like lead, lead, league lead in minutes per game. And now you're talking about this team. Like I'm worried if they're even going to be able to stay healthy. And so I think that we were right to draft them a little bit lower. I think they're probably yeah. still they're, they're, they've got to still be a playoff team. Like Bam and Jimmy Butler I don't, are too good. I mean, for a team that was the one seed last year. Keep in mind, they won one more game than... That's true. Right? It wasn't like but they But they did make the conference final. and Yeah, and they went to seven uh, yeah. games. They're a very good team last year. What percent chance do you think they have of making the top six if you were betting on Bovada right now? Ooh, that is a great question. To avoid the play-in tournament. I would assume that they are better... Interesting. This is a good question. I just want to see, like, all right. So, like, I'm pretty sure that they're better than like Charlotte. I uh, don't think yeah. they're better than Toronto, who's two and two and who smacked them uh, Monday night. Uh, they're probably better than Chicago and Brooklyn. Yeah, I would say it's better. I would say like 65, 70 percent chance they finish in the top. But six. yes, so avoid. You now you're talking Atlanta's in the mix, Cleveland's in the mix. Yeah. How many teams is that? I think One, I would. Two, I think as of I New think, York looks pretty good. I think as of Four games into the season, as of October 25th, I would still bet on Miami to finish ahead of those teams. Now, we can replay this audio in two weeks, and I'll tell you if I still feel the same way, but I tend to think that good teams will figure it out. And now, unless Kyle is, like, totally done, which is, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. He's 36 years old, and it's not like a guy who's been, like, you know, this Iron Man body for years, right? Like, he's not a physical freak. Unless that's the case, I think they'll figure it out personally. They've only played ten guys, by the way. Have you noticed well, that? Like, they, they, shout, shout out to Bovada because they have a lot of times the season long bets get taken off the table after the season starts. You could still bet things like will Miami make the playoffs? And right now, yes is minus three fifty. No is plus two forty five. I don't think either I would of still those bet are yes. worth betting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, know you, it, I, I don't know if it counts, it. but it counts missing the plan, right? Like you have to be in the top six. Correct. No, I, I I would imagine if you win the plan, you're you're in. All right. So here's let's talk about before we get to the Lakers because we should devote some time to them. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, because I that that's one benefit to Miami being like yeah, Brooklyn doesn't look that good either. So so Brooklyn, Brooklyn's one and two. 
they lose to Memphis on Monday night. Uh, Durant and Kyrie both score 37. Desmond Bain and John Morant both score 38. John Morant looks fantastic to start the year. But a couple things on Brooklyn before we really go with the skies falling. Uh, your boy, Seth Curry, former uh, dime store all-star. Yeah. He has yeah. not played. And Joe Harris, too. That matters. Uh, Joe Harris has played two games, but obviously he's still working his way back. So that matters, okay? Like, Seth Curry is a very good NBA player. If he's healthy, like, that, that matters. Uh, Kevin Durant looks – I mean, he's not shooting the ball, like, up to his typical standards, I would say. But Kevin Durant looks fantastic. I mean, he looks – the guy is just unbelievable to watch play basketball. And it's like, every single year, I'm like, man, Kevin Durant's really good. And then I watch him, I'm like, man, Kevin Durant is really good. <laughs> and then yeah, Kyrie actually just, in three games. It scares games, me, though. Yeah, because it's like – Durant, I think the other night they both scored 35 and they lost by 10. Yeah. So it's like, eh, so I don't know. Ben there's a couple, Simmons, like, there's the a couple major issues. Yeah, that's what not we going away. So Ben Simmons is fouled out of two or three games. I thought he got a tough whistle on Monday night. He definitely was upset about it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that while he's in the game, uh, he has scored, I believe, 16 points in three games, 17 points in three games. He is uh, averaging four shots a game. He's not getting to the foul line. And isn't uh, it crazy to think like, whatever contract situation, personality situation. It was either him or James Harden who looks yeah. pretty good now. I mean, I mean, I it's this, this, this Ben Simmons story is, you know, Ben Simmons. So first of all, he is still distributing the basketball. He, he has had some positive utility. He has not looked as good defensively as I thought he would. I, I honestly, like I told you guys, Gold yeah. Bobata betting for, you know, defense player defense of the year. Player, yeah. like, 25 to one. That sounded like a good bet. And, and, it, and it still might be. We're, we're three games of the year, right? It takes some time. We know that Ben Simmons, you know, from a personality standpoint, maybe doesn't, he doesn't really pick things up right away, I guess. Like he's, you know, it's kind of cold, if you will. But I mean, I'm not going to David Thorpe it. You sent me but that Hasn't tweet. he been there like, for like a full half season now? Too, I guess. Right? I don't know. I mean, you know, he had surgery, whatever. But I mean, he doesn't look like an all-star. And that's a problem. They need him to be an all-star because he, he needs to fill such a specific role for them that if he's not elite at doing so, it, 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 it leaves them with a lot of leaks, if you will. Right. Like, and, and again, like you sent me the David Thorpe tweet that was like, this version of Ben Simmons is not an NBA player. Like, I don't agree with that, but this version of Ben Simmons is not a, not a max NBA player, or maybe mm. like not even a starter level NBA player. And that's where, you know, you, you can't have like James Johnson. Like that's who he looks like to me right now. Like, you know, he'll, he'll, he can pass the ball. He can like be a playmaker. He can defend some wings. Okay. He's kind of rugged, but like, he's, you know, he's passive. Like you can't have that guy. Like he, he, if he's this player, like the Nets are in trouble, in my opinion, like they're in real trouble. Cause they can't. Yeah. I think that, I think they really need to make a move. And this, the bad part about having Ben Simmons is like, that'd be great to get a, you know, maybe some big guys, but then spacing becomes a big problem. Cause you have Ben Simmons. So you really need a miles Turner type. Or you know, how many teams do you think Yana by the type. end of the hold on a second? How many teams by the end of the year do you think you'll have traded Miles Turner to? I mean, the, it's, it's like already twelve teams, I think. I mean, any of the guy like you look at his stats, roll your eyes because it's like thirteen and seven. He's like, really good. Like you know yeah. how I feel about Miles Turner. He's very good. But you're and just not that many guys who can like you know stay out of the paint, block shots. That's exactly yeah, what every the rim, team really wants. Threes. Like yeah, he can do. But but I I it's him and Isaiah Hartenstein are the only two guys. No, dude, he's, he's good. He's, he's good. good. He's good. So. Let Brooklyn, I, I think, let's wait to get Seth Curry back. Let's wait to see, like, Joe Harris get acclimated. Because, you know, again, Kyrie's shooting under 30% from three. Like, Katie's shooting, like, 33%. Like, I would expect Brooklyn to bounce back. But I would say if we, we have, like, the panic meter, right? If, like, there's no panic and then, like, 10 is the most panic. Like, if I was a Brooklyn Nets fan, I don't know that those actually exist, to be honest. But, like, if I was a Brooklyn Nets fan, Zan, I, I think I'd be at, like, a five. Because I yeah. think the signs from Ben Simmons early are not good. And so, right. like, I, I am not going to write anybody off one week into the year, but. But, yeah, it's it's concerning. It's, and concerning. it's just like that, like, Rick Ankiel oh, is just broken for good. You know, same with like Russell that. Westbrook's shot. It's just like, okay, great. it looks like just a disaster. All right, great transition. The biggest story in the history of NBA basketball, the Los Angeles Lakers are 0-3. They have lost to the Warriors in a game that was never close. They lost to the Clippers. The game wasn't really close. And then they lost uh, to Portland. And then they play Wednesday night versus uh, Denver before going to Minnesota. Like, their schedule is not easy <laughs> early no, they, in the season. They played close. 
to their I mean, credit. They have re- Golden State, like, it wasn't close in the third But quarter. they played like, close considering they're shooting 21% as a team. Okay, yeah. So uh, let's talk three. about the Lakers. We're not going to let you come up with, like, any sort of, like, super random traits for the Lakers because you've been doing that for, like, six weeks. No, I will say this. It's an amazing thing, Rob Palenka, worthy of an extension because it's so rare to build. There's always this dynamic, how do you balance your roster? It's so rare to build a team that is too small and also can't shoot. You know, it's a rare combination where a bunch of little guards who can't shoot. And yet you can't write them off because, you know, old man LeBron is out here, like putting them on his back every night, keeping them in games. Like they're, they're, so my concern about Ben Simmons is about how I feel about Anthony Davis right now too, by the way, like obviously Anthony Davis, that's a big, so Anthony Davis is, is still a, relatively productive player but the issues that we talked about with anthony davis in new orleans like can he anchor a top five defense like can he be your number one guy on offense like can he make enough shots away from the basket that like he can play small ball five like it doesn't seem like it's he could do those things for like one time in walt disney world where nobody was in the stands and now it just it doesn't feel like he can do that like he's not he's not really like impacting shots around the rim like he used to be able to do He's not rebounding, which, you know, he never was like an elite rebounder, but you know, you're Anthony Davis, like he's shooting 20% for three. Like I, I just, I don't know how the Lakers get over this if he is not better. And I understand like the, the biggest issue of their roster is they can't shoot. And then, you know, you've got this Russell Westbrook, like sized hole, like the guy's shooting like 29% from the field. And that's obviously a, a massive it's, issue. It's bizarre. And the Pat Beverly has been a huge disappointment. Right I mean, now. he's just, like again, this this is this is what we talked about. Like, yes, he's a good bet to have, but like he was better last year. Like Minnesota needed to find a way to not play him as much last year, and they couldn't do it, so they trade him. And like now the Lakers are like, all right, we're going to start Patrick Beverly next to Russell Westbrook and Lonnie Walker. Let me read you their starting lineups three point percentage currently. You ready? Mm-hmm. LeBron leading the way at a whopping twenty five point nine percent. Patrick Beverly. Second, 21.4%. Anthony Davis, 20%. Lonnie Walker, 17.6%. And then Russell Westbrook, a resounding 8.3%. That is absurd. Those five guys all play 29 minutes a game or more. And that's that's what they're getting from a shooting perspective. And and that's with LeBron still like shooting like damn near like 65% from two. Like it's, they're just... The, the complete like lack of utter self-awareness to be like, hey, we need to find guys who can shoot. Like, I, I just I, well, I, I think there there might be some regression here because it's like they, no, they're not going to shoot this bad their whole no. season. Well, of course. But like Pat Beverly's pretty good shooter. He's a 36 percent. Yeah, 36 percent. Kendrick Nunn, I'm really surprised, is only shooting 23 percent right now. He's supposed to be helpful. But like st- structurally, there's just huge. But like they're not even playing. They're not even like playing Kendrick Nunn. He's playing 15 minutes a game. Like remember when they signed Kendrick Nunn? We were like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a pretty good signing. Like at least, Lonnie, at least Lonnie Walker. At least Lonnie Walker's scoring like 15 points a game. Like he's at least <laughs> providing like real minutes, right? Like if you remember PER as a stat, no one uses it anymore, but it's pulled up on ESPN for me. Um, I think Giannis is, is like 40 or something. Uh, average is supposed to be like 15, I think. Kendrick Nunn right now listed at negative two. That's really bad. It's hard to be that bad. But what do you, I mean, I won't talk about fake trades because, but it's just like, what if you're Darvin Ham and let's say this is a locked roster, how do you not put Russ Book off the bench? I don't know. I don't know. Because I think he would be effective in that role. You have to do it. And and I think they'll get to that point where they do it. But like, if he like protests, this is what I would do if I, I would play mind games. If I'm Darvin Ham, Russ it's is like pretty if, smart. Russ is a pretty intelligent dude. No, of course, but he, he's like Rondo, where they're like persnickety smart, and it's just like annoying. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely titling this episode "Persnickety Smart." It's pretty funny. Yeah. But like, let's say he's like, I refuse to go to the bench. You know, he claims he got injured because he came off the bench. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I told you this before. Like, it is a different thing because you're going sure. into a game that's like you're going 100. You're used to being able to get warm. This is what your routine is. When you come off the bench, it is a very different feel to when you are starting. And so, like, yeah, he should figure it out, right? Like, But you know what I would do? This is what I would do. I would say. Bench LeBron. Have LeBron. I, that's exactly what I mean. I'm not even joking. If you basically, if he won't go to the bench, you bring the bench to him. <laughs> and you play him with a bunch of bench guys Dude, to I start love, the game. I honestly, I literally love this plan. Like, Because it's serious. like humiliating to him. It's like we're, not, everyone else is willing to sacrifice. Well, I mean, you're not. 
So we're going to play you with this bench roster for like three minutes and then I, bring in our real starter. I do think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like the, like Steph Curry kind of, I don't want to say narrative because I think Steph is a very good person, but like, you, you know how it is. Like you, you win and then you tend to hear all these stories about like how amazing a certain player is right after they win. Like they do all this great stuff. Right. But Steph Curry, like, you know, legitimately came off the bench last year in the playoffs. And mm. so it's very hard to like, if you're another player on the Golden State Warriors and they ask you to do something, it's like, well, if the best player in the history of our team and one of the 10 or 15 best players of all time is doing it, then like, it's hard for me to say no. Right. And so Russ, I understand kind of is going through, it seems like he's kind of going through that Carmelo Anthony thing, like from like OKC to like Houston, where, you know, truly you were an elite player for an extended period of time. And then you're just not an elite player anymore. Right. And so it takes those guys kind of a minute to realize, like, look, if I want to extend my career, like, I need to play differently. Yeah. But the it's problem like, is Russ is the highest, uh, the second highest paid player in the NBA right now. So like, it's, it's, and in his mind, like, he's only two years removed. Like, he had a really good season with the Wizards in 2021. Yeah. And he like, could he, play a similar role off the bench. It's just like, you have to do it in 25 minutes a night. What, um, you know, the one thing I'm not sure of. And and again, like, it's not like we're ever going to get to like discuss this with Russ, but he's 34, but you know, we were always worried. What, what is, you know, we talked about it with Blake Griffin, right. Or Amari Stoudemire, like, but look, what does LeBron look like when he loses his athleticism? And it turns out like he's just bigger, stronger, faster than everyone anyway. Yeah. But like, if Russ is truly a step slower, like Steph's game is going to age more gracefully. Right. And we even talked about it with Harden last year, because people sort of say that Harden's not like a great athlete, but he is a, a really good athlete. Right. And he's big and strong and, had a quick first step, but like you lose that first step quickness and all of a sudden like, all right, well, what do you have to rely on for us? You know, a lot of the way that he distributed was he beat guys off the bounce and like he was able to spray passes around. And then a lot of the ways he scored was like in transition at the rim or off offensive rebounds. And if he can't do that anymore, he truly, truly is a very limited player. And so two years ago uh, with Washington and then the year before that with Houston, he could still do that. Zan. Like he could still overwhelm you athletically, but if, damn sure doesn't look like he can do that right now. And if that's yeah. the case, then like, well, and also I think point guards are bigger. There's a lot more wings now. Like you can't that's true. overwhelm people with size either. Like yeah, not to, have... not to nitpick your guy like DJ Augustine or whatever, but like yeah. Russ doesn't get to play against him on a regular basis. Like he's getting yeah. guarded by a four man. And I think point. he bristles at going to the bench in the same way. I think when you hit a sore spot, when people have a sort of insecurity about something where like for you, for example, if I said, Oh, Tyler, look, you're going bald. And you'd think to yourself, like, I'm not going bald. That doesn't, that's not, a, doesn't bother me. Right. If you were actually kind of going bald, then you would maybe be insecure about that. And I think Westbrook now or Carmelo when he was on Houston, like they kind of see like maybe I mean, they you, are a bench player, like the worry, writing's on the wall. Like you worry about your, I your think place. It, yeah. Yeah. He, like somebody it. on ESPN said he might not be in the league next year. It's possible. You know, I, I mean, I've sat here on the show before and I've praised like Carmelo and Dwight Howard and like JaVale McGee for like extending their careers because everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're just trying to write vets out of the league. Like someone needs to sign Joe Johnson. Someone needs to sign Jamal Crawford. Like, no, they don't. They absolutely don't. Zan. Yeah. Like when your shelf life is over and you don't play a role for a team that somebody needs, you should not play in the NBA. So if Russell Westbrook is trying to get another contract next year and play this specific way, he shouldn't be in the league. Right, like that's that's and kind of the bottom see, line. Yeah, you're, it's you not see that a, name like Isaiah. I see those tweets from a while. Like Isaiah Little Thomas. Isaiah Thomas should get a spot. It's like no, no, they they shouldn't. It's like you need to be able, like Carmelo Anthony deserves, in in my opinion, just praise to the to the end of time because of how he handled the situation. Like he did a bad job, and then he realized it, and he went and he played a position he didn't want to play. He changed his game. He still was atrocious defensively, but again, that's not the point. Like he filled a role. Dwight Howard did the same thing. Let's be an energy. Isn't it kind of interesting though that the Lakers need shooting and have not brought back Carmelo? <laughs> yeah, Carmelo is like, not on a roster. In case is you Matt Ryan that. is Matt Ryan like definitely better than Carmelo? I don't think so. Also, I mean, Carmelo can hit open threes. What if I had told you three weeks ago that the only Matt Ryan playing as being a like oh, that's a great being point. like someone playing minutes in a professional sport was going to be Matt Ryan from. <laughs> Vanderbilt, Chattanooga, Notre Dame, and not Matt God, Ryan that was surprising. for the Indianapolis Colts. That's great. Talk about, yeah, adjusting to your role. What do you do when you're a former MVP I, and now you're a backup quarterback? I don't know. Nick Foles is there too. Like, I, if I'm Matt Ryan, like, you're done, right? Like, you're, just, you're, you're retiring, I think, because you're not going to get a job nice. somewhere else. Like, if someone thinks Sam Erlinger is the, the, like, at least if you're Mac Jones, like, you can convince yourself that, like, yeah, you know, I'm 23, 24 years old. Like, 
I can get a shot if he gets beaten out by Bailey Zappi. But like, if you're Matt Ryan and like, you well, we, we say that privately because we talk about football. It's like if you're a non-mobile quarterback, like so, you're, a li- you're a dinosaur at this point. Yeah, and so but but that's the thing. So it, the the parallel is there. If you're a non-athlete, if you're an a, a average athlete, bad shooter, yeah, you're a dinosaur. And so like for or us, you're on the Lakers. He, <laughs> that is that is kind of true. You know, I, I don't know. They they didn't even like. It's weird, like you said. It's it's hard to construct a team that's both small and bad at shooting, but they're also like. You know, like LeBron and AD are, are like physical freaks, right? Just in terms of like how they're built. But like Lonnie Walker's a good athlete, but then they have like, you know, like Juan Toscano Anderson's a good a good athlete yeah. too, but then they don't really have any other like, you know, like Russ at the peak was like, a, you know, an alien pretty much. But like, you know, you, you got Austin Reeves, you got Kendrick Nunn, you got Matt Ryan, you got Troy Brown. Like these guys are good, okay athletes. Not great, but it's like they have to well, play and a role. Then also, and- yeah, maybe we fell into the same trap too, where it's like, Pat Beverly sounded like a good fit, but in his defense, he's 34 too. And it's like, maybe it's sort of like, you know, he's a 15 minute a game guy. I don't know. Like, I, I don't recall what the Lakers over under was on Bovada. I think it was like 45 or something. 45, yeah. Um, but I don't think I would. I think originally I probably would have gone over and just been like, you know, confident in LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I, I think right now, like it's gotten bad enough where I've seen enough Western Conference teams that I think are better than this Lakers team as currently constructed. That I, yeah. I don't know if I'd say right now definitively. I think they will not make the play-in, but like they're worse than Portland. Like no question about no, it, they're worse than yeah. Portland. Yeah, I agree. They just don't have you know. You talk about guys with like a little life in their legs and live yeah. body. You said about Shaden Sharp. Like they they just don't have. A they lot don't have that. that. Yeah, it's it's kind of honestly. I never thought I'd say this, but like it's kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. LeBron did this to himself. Don't get me wrong. Like he kind of like built this team, you know. But it's it's a little bit of a shame to see this. You know, I don't think LeBron's done after this year by any means. I, I think it's pretty clear. Like, we'll see how the season goes. Obviously, if he plays sixty, I don't games, think but... I'll go a step further. I don't think he's done after four years. Like, what evidence do we have that he's not a good player? What if his team? wife divorces him or wants him to quit, and then he just gets washed up like Tom Brady? You think he loves his wife more than Tom Brady loves Giselle? I don't, I don't. I don't know the answer. According to, that, to some but, articles, I don't. No, think no, that's no. True. But but my my point is like it's it's sad to see. Like LeBron is not the player that he once was, but he is still a fantastic basketball player. Like still one of the best in the NBA. Whether or not he's the, he's not the best anymore, but like him, I think it's, good. it's and sort it's, of like it's interesting sad to watch. LeBron's the last of the problems. Don't get me wrong, but it's interesting for his career. He shot eight free throws a game, about four and a half threes a game, What's and he that's now like seven? switched. Yeah, he's now shooting nine threes a game, only three games, but nine threes a game only. Less than six free throws again. Yeah, and and that might not actually change. To be honest, like, he doesn't get to the rim like he used to. He can still right. get to the rim and he can post. But and... he shouldn't be your long bomber either. But that's kind of the nature of the game now, anyway. It's still yeah, it's better true. for it's still better for LeBron to shoot threes than it is for LeBron to shoot elbow jump shots. But but that's but my point is like I'm, I'm I hope they figure it out because like I don't know how many great years LeBron has left in him. I I, I mean until he doesn't turn one in, I guess we should say that like the next one will be great, but. Well, like, you know what? Like, if, this, if a, you're gonna, if it's karma, it's that it's a player who thought he was bigger than organizations, which he probably is. I mean, he's definitely bigger, than but like devalued coaching and devalued. Hold, hold, hold on the, a second. Hold wait. on a second. This is we talk a lot about like what players are worth. Like, you don't think that like LeBron's no, brand course, is yeah. stronger? Maybe it's not stronger than the Lakers, but I bet you LeBron as a, as a specific brand, like LeBron and Michael Jordan's brands have to be stronger than NBA teams. No, no, I agree. I'm just thinking like the player empowerment. So if that means players gets more and more power, more and more power, more than the front office, probably in LeBron's case. And there might be a part of you that thinks like front offices don't matter. And now he's saddled with a front office and honestly an ownership group that seems, I don't want to say incompetent, but just like not a top notch no, group and, right? the, and the thing is like they've they've assembled like a relatively good defensive team right the problem is they just they, they forgot about the other side of the ball i guess they just figured like you're right by the way Xander, they will regress to the mean like even some, as bad of a shooter as russ is the guy's not going to shoot under 20 percent from three on the year like he's going to have some games where he shoots one for one or two for two but they are just so far away on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think in, 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 and there's no confidence you, you have in Rob Plinka and Jeannie bus and to figure it out. Mrs. Yeah. Rambis to figure it out. Yeah. Cause they're going to, they're going to like go out and trade for like Brooke Lopez or something. Yeah, like, They're going to trade actually, for that, some like, bad. Makes sense. But like, 
Or they're going to trade for like Nurkic, which again, like he's good, but it, it, it just it'll um, be like Terrence Ross or somebody like that who was like a name five years he ago. Not be that bad, honestly. No, he, he shot really badly from three last year. I mean, he made your least valuable player column, right? Yeah, like he, he's been like Josh Richardson, where they're like three and D guys who haven't been particularly good on either end. Yeah, man, I can't tell you how excited I got about several Josh Richardson moves, and I was like, man, this is really good. And like Josh Richardson had one really good year in the Heat. You 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 can't. Here's what you really can't do, right? This is I've learned this. You shouldn't be signing free agents from the Heat to massive contracts yeah. because, like, whatever goes on down in Miami, like the Heat culture, like it's just different. So, you know, like, well, let, let's end on this. What are the Lakers' odds of making the playoffs now? And that means you can be in the in the plan and make thirty percent. What do you think? Well, on Bovada, if you want to bet the Lakers to make the playoffs, you actually get money, positive odds, plus one ten. Are you so serious? That- they have a, they have them as a dog as public yeah, as the I'm Lakers are. Yeah, wow, so they think it's 50-50 They make the playoffs after three games. That's incredible. Yeah, because they were projected at forty five wins, right? Which would have been comfortably in would the have playoffs. been comfortably in the playing game. Wow, that's amazing. Shout out to but like you said, shout out to Bovada. Like they're up yeah, the, quick, man. Like yeah, they they gave up and Brooklyn. They haven't given up on Brooklyn, by the way. Brooklyn I, to make I, the playoffs is still a massive favorite. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give up on Brooklyn yet. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. Like I, I think the Ben Simmons thing is concerning. Like I said, but it's not. Like the Lakers have real problems that are like, all right, we need to address this. Mm-hmm. The, the the Nets, I think you can comfortably watch and be like, you know, Ben Simmons will get more comfortable. Like they'll add Seth Curry back. Like they'll make some shots. Like I don't know. I don't think they're going to well, play fifty five games, but which I was hoping another, might like happen. not to not to dwell on Bovada, but that some of these like lesser known bets, like what ones we're talking about, are where value can be because they don't update them maybe or that a couple of bets influence the odds too much. And I'll give you an example right now. If you wanted to bet Brooklyn not to make the playoffs, it's plus 670, which is higher than um, Phoenix. It's higher than uh, Minnesota. Like all these teams where it's like they think, according to this, Brooklyn is a complete well, they also lock think that, to make. They also, they also think the East is a little bit weaker at the top. Yeah, but they're higher than Philly. So which seems weird. And maybe that's an overreaction to Philly going one and three, but you would almost definitely say, well, yeah, because you should be adjusting. You would be adjusting odds every time somebody has a loss, right? Like that's, that's true. So, but yeah, that's it for us this week. We'll be back uh usual time next week. Fun first week, the NBA, uh, like I said, hopefully a lot less Lakers talk in the future. Cause it's just so boring. They're so brutal to watch play. And uh, other than LeBron really in the Russell Westbrook memes are, are, uh, Pretty oh, it's funny, great. I, I love watching their facial reaction to him shooting some jumpers, mid-range jumpers. But uh, he is in underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show at xanderkelson at gmail.com. And uh, as always, in it's better. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.